With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space, being intentional about doing the work and the work looks like on yourself, like really continuing to show up when you have those fears and when you have the doubts and when the insecurity set in to say, I don't know what that new door looks like or what it's going to be like. What if I fail? What if I, because pain will continue to tell you that this is where you're supposed to be. But if you're going to be powerful, there has to be an honest conversation with how pain shows up in your life. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, We release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're We're your hosts, hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Are you currently a resident of the state of California? and contemplating starting your therapy journey? Well, if so, please reach out to me at drdominiquebroussard.com. That's D-R-D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D.com to schedule a free 15-minute consultation. I look forward to hearing from you. All right, lady. Today we have a very special guest. Okay. She means a lot to me and she's been an inspiration throughout my journey. So I'm super excited that we get to introduce her to you. All right. Yah Hughes is an award-winning speaker, best-selling author, and emotional wellness specialist at the Hello Suite. With more than 15 years of experience as a trainer, higher education professional, and wellness coach, Yas specializes in working with women who are tired of putting themselves last, okay, being stuck, living with unresolved pain, and who are ready to be intentional 
with Cultivating a Better Life. Yeah, Hughes, welcome to Cultivating Her Space. Thank you all so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited to have you. We can't wait to jump into this juicy conversation. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Our quote of the day. Yeah, this quote will sound really familiar to you because these are your words. Your goals, dreams, emotional well-being, life and situations will always be a want if you don't do what you need to get to the other side. And I'm going to say that again for the folks in the back. Your goals, dreams, emotional well-being, life and situations will always be a want if you don't do what you need to get to the other side. Yeah, when you wrote these words or when you hear them repeated now, what comes up for you? What came up for you then? So this quote from me, we always look at all of the things that go wrong in our lives or all of the things that we desire, but do we want it bad enough, right? If you don't realize that you need to put you first, that you need to truly learn, that you need to cultivate a better relationship with yourself, everything that you desire will always be just that, a want and a desire, because it never transcends to a need. It's when a need is something that you you have to have to survive. It's what it's kind of your life support, right? We need water, we need food. We need these things to survive in our natural body, but there are things that we need in our heart, in our mind, in our emotion, and in our well-being to survive. And that's what that quote means. Now, yeah, I know a bit about your backstory, but can you tell the listeners cuz I mean, we we read off uh, some of your credentials. I mean, we didn't include TEDx speaker. I think you're a three times bestselling author at this point. I we, we see all the glow up, right? We see all the good things. Can we talk about where you came from, like some of the adversity you've experienced? And then we're going to dive in deeper into other aspects of your story. Absolutely. So I love, you know, when you get the bio and everybody talks about all of these great accomplishments. And people are like, goals, yes, you're doing it. But some of the things that they don't know is that origin or that backstory of, you know, me growing up in the inner city of Philadelphia and, you know, in an epidemic of drugs and low income and poverty and all of those things where both of my parents were on drugs. And I really just was a young lady trying to survive. And I remember making a decision out of a traumatic experience that I don't even know whether a lot of people know, but I think that is very pivotal to my story is that I came to college two weeks after my brother was murdered. At the time, I was doing my best to try to make a better life for me and my siblings because our parents were in and out of being incarcerated, just a lot of adversity. And in that moment, I realized that I can't do anything else for anyone until I really go and do something for myself. That was in December. In January, I enrolled in college and that began my journey of, that was the first time that I chose me. That was the first time that I chose 
I needed something better. So growing up, I always felt that I had to protect everyone, that I just was a product of my environment. But something deep down inside was like, there's more. There's more to life. There's more. And while my story isn't conventional, I know that there are so many that struggle with whatever their family of origin is and feeling obligated to be that one. I am the oldest. So there is this level of making sure that we take care of, you know, and then I still struggle with that a little bit because you're the one that made it out, so to speak, right? So that's just a little bit, just one day after really answering a tough question that made me kind of say, I want more to life. You know, what am I going to do now? Everything that I've tried, the end result was still right there that I needed more knowledge, experience I needed to get out of this environment to be able to reach back. So that kind of started my journey of really the first part of that was really going to college because at that day and time, you go to college to make a better life for yourself. But what I didn't know that when I stepped foot on campus, it was really an opportunity for me to learn who I was, not being in the shadows of anyone, not really identifying anymore with what society has said, the statistics and all of those things. And I am here today because I made a decision. I made a decision that I would no longer fall victim and identify with the things that that I was born into. And I made a decision that I was going to change the trajectory of my life. I didn't know what that looked like. I just knew that it couldn't result in where I was. So that's where I started out as an inner city girl, a project girl at that, grew up in the in the heart of the projects, really knew about community, but just knew that this wasn't the space that I could thrive in. So I made a decision, bet it on myself, was an unconventional, non-traditional college student, didn't step foot on campus till 21, and did all of the work to be where I am today. I think we had some technical difficulties, but I think Dom is going to join us in just a bit. The internet, you know what's so funny, y'all? I feel like the internet, sometimes the connection just deads when it's so powerful. And you, your intro right now was just like, boom. Like, I'm sure there is listeners tune in. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, like I resonate with this aspect of her story, right? And so can you talk a little bit about how you found your way? Because you said that it changed college changed the trajectory of your life, but you're like, I didn't know where I was going. So what did you focus on during that time when you were away from home trying to find yourself after not being in the shadows of, oh, I gotta take care of, you know, family or gotta do this? Like how did you find your way? The number one thing and when I first got to college was I needed to make a better life so that I can help my siblings. But in the process, I really began to discover who I was and what I wanted to do. So I began to introduce myself to me and then my why. So it it became, okay, so I didn't know what I was doing originally. I just knew that I needed to get out. But then after a while, it's like, I can see myself just beyond saving my siblings to really making an impact and loving what I do. So I think it was more of, it went from focus on getting good grades so that you could get a better job to really discovering who I was and finding my way looked like taking time to learn me, 
taking time to learn what I desired and what other things were out there in the world and not just getting a good job. Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Can we dive into going from painful to powerful? How do you go from painful to powerful? Because sometimes the pain, it's like, it gets real, right? It's like, where do, how do I? Yes. And if you have a story to go along with that, let, let us, let us know. <laughs> so, so how do you go from painful to powerful, right? And this may sound very familiar to you. And it's very, I know it's that, how do you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. And that looks like choosing to be intentional with doing the work. So a lot of times we can identify with pain, right? Because for a lot of us, it's present throughout majority of our lives for whatever reason. And sometimes we get comfortable in that pain because not that we want to stay here, but if it is all that we know, or if it was that starting point or what we were introduced to, or it just overtakes and consumes us. All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month, and it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans, and it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black stories, Black truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the rich black auntie. It was good. Now, you know, black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus. We're like, I know that I want to get to powerful, but we usually get stuck in that middle, right? We get stuck and we get paralyzed in the doing to go to the next level. And it's that doing the work. So being intentional about doing the work and the work looks like on yourself, like really continuing to show up when you have those fears and when you have the doubts and when the insecurity set in to say, I don't know what that new door looks like or what it's going to be like. What if I fail? What if I, because pain will continue to tell you that this is where you're supposed to be. But if you're going to be powerful, there has to be an honest conversation with how pain shows up in your life. There has to be some time for that self-reflection. Self-reflection was a huge part of how I moved to the space that I am in now. You know, there was a, a point where I had to be honest and say that it all wasn't my parents. At some point, I began to really identify with the victim and I did things and made decisions based out of my own anger, based out of my own self. So it was that reflection part that helped me with the unlearning. And you go from painful to powerful by one, choosing to be intentional with doing the work, two, by reflecting on How have you aided in you staying in this place? Because it's not everybody else. They may have started where you are, but there was some parts where you relinquished control and you decided that this was a place that you were going to park, that you were going to stay. And then that comes that unlearning and then that unleashing, right? When you begin to unleash and you really begin to see that you are capable of doing great things, of hard things. Leaving to go away to college was was one of the hardest things and one of the most bold and courageous things that I've ever done. But pain taught me or made me believe that that was the only time I could be courageous. And right. And then every time I came up on a new way of unleashing and unlearning, I had to remind myself that. You stepped out, didn't know a soul. You left, you went three hours away by yourself, not knowing one person on this college campus. And you got to continue to activate that. Okay. Yeah. I get chills with you saying that because I think about who you are too, because we're speaking of you went to UMES. Is that right for undergrad? Yeah. I'm thinking about who you are and what you mean to the students there. And it's making me a little emotional because you went there not knowing anyone. But then when you think about if you go on campus and you talk to students, like everyone knew. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you were you were such a pillar to so many people. And so to come there and not know anyone, that's just so powerful and speaks to your legacy. But you said a mouthful right there. Okay, You talked about accountability. That is, I think, sometimes so challenging for people when you realize, wait, yeah, I was a victim. This happened. Mama did this. Daddy did that. But then when you did your self-reflection, you were like, hold up. Wait, oh, there was some stuff that I was doing. Oh, oh, I need to work on some stuff with, within myself as well. 
what was that like for you? What was the most challenging part about understanding that, yes, these things may have happened to you, but you also played a role in aiding in being where you were in the journey? Because that sounds very tough. It was very tough. It was like a slap <laughs> in the face because you work so hard to show people that this is why I'm in the place that I'm in. And it was like, oh, wait, that may have been how I started. But what about the 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year old that decided? And it was hard to see yourself, right? And I think that that's the power of self-reflection. You get an opportunity to see you and you are at a crossroads and you make pivotal decisions based on that. So it was tough. It was tough smelling your own stuff. It's easy to point out somebody else's stuff in the corner, but smelling your own stuff, it was very hard. And, you know, at some points there was some shame attached to it because you, you know, but that accountability piece, it was, you got to own it. You got to own what you've done and how can you do something different? Allowing myself and giving myself permission and grace to make mistakes and Once I know better, I do better. So it was very tough, but I think it was that tough love that you know that usually in our culture we get from other people, but you get it from yourself. And it's like, don't beat myself up about it and don't be down about it, right? But looking at it like, wow, I did. So what can I do different? And how much work is this going to take? The reward is so great, but it's like, Starting that process, starting that journey. Oh my goodness. Oh, I'm just reflecting on my own journey and having to do that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's deep. Can you talk to us a bit about how do you guide women to cultivate an authentic relationship with self? I know that there were phases in my journey where I would get into a relationship or like attach myself to a group of friends to hide from myself because I did not want to face myself. So how do you actually guide women through that potentially challenging part of their journey to like facing who they really are. And that's exactly what I do. It's more of that self-awareness and that introspect to really taking time to guide them through asking hard, hard questions, taking that time to reflect. And usually I start off with asking them those questions and not to answer to me, but really looking at it to take time to journal or really think about it if you're not a journaler. But I've always posed hard questions. And, you know, it's that saying hello, that cultivating a relationship. It's for me, saying hello is how I help them to do that. And that's the H is having hard conversations. You have to have hard conversations with yourself because if you're not going to be honest with you, then you're never going to get to the place of cultivating a better relationship, right? To cultivate means to foster and it means to grow. It means to really tend to and care. When we when we cultivate the soil and the land and all of those things, you have to continue to dig and plant new seeds and all of that. So that's the part of really having those hard conversations and really taking time to look at, and I know we're going to get into it a little bit. Well, I hope that we would look at how you show up emotionally. Right. So are you having hard conversations and what are you looking at and doing emotionally? How do you give yourself permission to be a work in progress? I think that we do ourselves a disservice in the day and time where everything seems cookie cutter or everything seems that like people are overnight success or you just do all of this that we don't give ourselves permission 
to be flawed, to be human, to not have it all together and to be perfect. But when you move in that space, I guide them through permission. Like, have you even given yourself permission in space? to mourn the childhood that you didn't have, to grieve a relationship of a person that's still alive? Have you taken time to take a moment and just give yourself permission to not know what's next or what that looks like and not have all of the answers? So it's really taking you through that self-reflection that unlearning and giving yourself permission. So I guide you on that. And then you you get to that unlearning and then you begin to hold yourself kindly and have space for you. And then the last part of that is owning where you are. And it's coined, my theory and my technique is coined, hello, right? Saying hello to yourself. And the last part of that is owning where you are while you are becoming. So saying hello isn't just about a one-time thing. It's How do you say hello after motherhood, after extra pounds, after all of these things? Who are you now that you really need to embrace and begin to take a closer look at? That is so beautiful. And I'm assuming that when you do this work with women, I'm assuming there you have tissues nearby. Is that right? Because this sound I'm thinking about when you asked some of the questions, I was thinking about my own journey and I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. I would definitely need some tissues for this part because this is it would get real. Like, well, absolutely, it, it yeah. gets very real, and we have space and we hold that. And there are times when we don't talk again for another month because you got to process, and that's not something that you do in forty-five minutes. And it's like, okay, I'll see you next week because next week you're gonna be angry at what showed up, and you're going avoid some stuff. So we're gonna give it a little bit of time. I remember in therapy, my therapist was like, yeah, there are going to be some days where you're probably not going to want to show up. And there were some days where I was like, I thought this was supposed to be light. I feel heavy. I feel a little little bit depressed after, but it's part of the process of, you know, picking those things up and digging through them. And speaking of emotions and having our tissues, I want to know why is it important for us to manage our emotions and how can we manage them effectively, especially during those hormonal times of the month? I just want to put that in there. You know, sometimes you're like, okay, it's it's one of those, it's one of those days. Like, how do we manage our emotions and why is that important? So first, why is it important? So our emotions kind of drive almost everything, right? Who we are, how we see ourselves, all of that. And when we think about emotions and not to get too technical, but, you know, we're coined emotional beings, right? As women, don't be emotional, but we are all wired and our emotions come as data. They come to say, hey, look at this. Just like with your car, there's some lights that go off to say you need to do X, Y, and Z. So different lights mean different things. And our emotions are just a physical or a response to something that's going on in our immediate world, whether that is a situation, a circumstance, how we internalize something, but usually Emotions, the response of an emotion lasts 60 seconds, 60 seconds, guys. And afterwards, there's this thing called the thinking, feeling, behavior cycle. So it suggests that you feel something, there's an emotion, then there's a thought, it triggers a thought, and then it triggers a behavior. And it's a circle and it continues. If you don't, have a good and healthy relationship with your emotions, meaning you ignore them or you allow them to 
make you lash out. You allow them to make you react versus respond. So it's important because it shows up in everything that we do. Some of us are in relationships based on our emotional capacity and wellness. Some of us are at jobs based on our emotional wellness and health. Some of us internally have suppressed our emotions and is showing up in our physical body and how we respond. So everything starts with a feeling, right? You know, you feel something and my body feels, or I feel out of whack, our hormones get over all over the place. So understanding that they are the cornerstone of every decision that we make, that if I would say outside of the relationship that you have with yourself, Having a relationship with your emotions is key. And that's what emotional wellness is. It's being an active participant in the the way that you respond to our emotions, even when you're hormonal. It's not saying that I shouldn't be hormonal and this shouldn't happen. It's being aware how I show up when I'm feeling that way and what is it showing me to do, right? So when I'm, I know that, All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month, and it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone, not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans, and it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black stories, Black truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the rich black auntie. It was good. Now, you know, black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. 
Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We all have dominant emotions, right? I know that you think that there are only about like 10 emotions. Happy, sad, all of that. But there are over 27 emotions. And we have dominant emotions, meaning we have reoccurring emotions that show up no matter the situations we're in. And my dominant emotion usually show up as overwhelm because it's tied to growing up, always taking on the the caretaker and all of that. So when you have those emotions of being overwhelmed, how do I show up when I'm overwhelmed? What does it make me think? What does it make me do? So when we think about what our dominant emotions are, And we can take and look and say, if I'm overwhelmed, how do I respond? What are the top three things? What's my go-to response? And then it's, it's looking at those patterns to say, okay, what caused me to be overwhelmed? Because I said yes to, because I was being nice to this person, that person, all of that. I signed up for what I thought the role of a wife or mother should be. And I don't know that I like doing that anymore. So. I get overwhelmed, hence I get snappy, hence I begin to get flustered and I don't like this, right? So it's paying attention to how you show up emotionally and looking at it to say, when it, when does it warrant this behavior? And when does it say, hello, this is the data that you need to say it's time to take a pause. It's time to walk away because if you add another thing to that emotional piece, that overwhelmed or that anger or that frustration, then it's going to lead to this. So I think that is very key and it's very pivotal that we learn how we show up emotionally so that we can have a better relationship and manage them. And the first part of that is knowing and understanding that it always starts as a physical response. So those people that get angry and you know how some people cry when they're angry, that's the physical response of the emotion. When you're scared, some people sweat right? When you're anxious, when you're nervous. So your body goes through a physical response and then it goes and tell your mind something. And once it tells your mind something, you pull out what you learn to survive. And normally we learn that in our childhood. So that's why the unlearning is important because how you learn to handle being overwhelmed at 10, studies and research say that you are who you are by seven. You respond two things by the age of seven. So depending on how you learned and what was what was mirrored in your home is how you respond. So if anger was shutting down, I shut down. If anger was punching and lashing out, I lash out. I may not lash out how I, 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 I saw, but I lash out in different ways. So it's recognizing how you show up and knowing that it doesn't have to direct you. So I always say that emotions are data, but not direct. It doesn't tell you what to do. It just comes to say, Hey, this is a little off. 
or this is great. Some emotions, emotions aren't good or bad. And I think when we stop compartmentalizing them, we would stop just trying to be one side. We would stop just trying to be happy. And we would embrace that there are times that we should be sad, that we should grieve, that we should be fearful, that we should be all of those things. That was amazing. I feel like you could just drop the mic right now. But there were a couple of things that you said that stood out. And I have a couple of questions. Okay, so one, you said something about this cycle of emotions, how the emotion only lasts for a moment. And then you kind of go through this cycle of feeling it, thinking, and then acting. And so you're saying with that in mind, you're saying that something can potentially happen to you in childhood and you can continue this cycle of the way you respond, the way you're thinking, the way you're acting. And that same thing that happened in your childhood, you can still feel that way at like 40 years old. Or 50 years old? Absolutely. Prime example, if you grew up and people talked down to you or you were always yelled at, at work, the moment that somebody yells at you, you're like, first of all, you're not going to disrespect me. And then you go to defending yourself because you think that you're defending the child because you couldn't do it then. So your brain automatically tells you that this is how you need to respond. So it triggers a thought, right? And you begin to think like, oh no, or that reminds me, your spouse can say something and that reminds you of how your your, your parent talked to you. And then it becomes, so because of that, I'm going to do this. So you just have to disrupt the cycle. And that's where the, as we call it in in counseling and therapy terms, the thought stopping, right? So you got to stop it. But all of us enter the cycle at a different stage. That's what I want to make sure that is very clear. For some of us, it's a thought that triggers an emotion, then a behavior. So you can get on the hamster wheel at any part. So sometimes it's, I feel this way and then my mind starts racing and then you got me messed up. So I'm going to act this way. Some of it is I'm in my head first and I think about something and now I'm in my feelings, right? You you think about something, you hear a certain song, it triggers. Now you're emotional and now you go to the behavior of retreating or isolation or seclusion. So knowing where you are on that cycle will begin to help you really get to it. But the first part of that is knowing that Your job is to manage your emotions and not allow them to dictate what you do. They don't get to hold you on puppet strings and say, when I'm angry, get out my way when I'm angry. Everybody, it don't matter who is in the way. I'm going to say this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it's like, at some point, you got to take a step back and, and, and evaluate. Why are you angry? What does this remind you of? Do you have validity in being angry? And if you do, how do you begin to move from reacting to responding? Because it's a wow. Thank you. That was good. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> when you were talking about the dominant emotions and you talked about yours being overwhelmed, we have similar upbringings. And so when you said that, I was like, oh, wait, is that mine too? But I don't know if I'm just projecting how, what's the best way to figure out what your dominant emotion is? Take some time and. Just either journal or write down like how you keep a food diary when you want to change your habits or see that. How do you respond? What in, in a in seven day span, what has been the top emotions that you experienced? Or go to your last situation, disappointment, whatever that is. And what was the first thing that you felt? 
Usually your dominant emotion shows up first, right? It's like that personality trait. That's going to shine brighter. So that's how you kind of can look at it and take some time over the next, you know, couple of days to say, what is my dominant emotion? And and usually it's more than one, but sometimes they kind of run in packs. So I'm overwhelmed then makes me feel frustrated, right? So I get mad because I'm overwhelmed, but then I look at it and be like, was that a, because I wanted to take on all of this, what is this tied to? Like, why didn't I say no? That's super helpful. <laughs> so sorry, I'm jumping back in the conversation Have after having had some technical difficulties. But yeah, as I'm listening to you and you're talking about how we understand and how we can identify and start to navigate our emotions or our dominant emotion. But what I'm curious about is, do we have one dominant emotion all the time? Because I think of various seasons in my life and where I might have had different emotions dominating based on that season that I was in. Absolutely. Because in some seasons, it may not be overwhelmed. It may be something else. You have to kind of take inventory and look at where you are in your life. And in that season, is this emotion okay because of the season? Is it something that is temporary? And it's so when we were, when I, when we were in college, right, there is always a season at the end of a semester around this time that you're anxious, that there's anxiety, that there is overwhelm because you are coming off of 16 weeks of focusing on something. In that season, some stuff is par for the course, right? And knowing and understanding the season that you're in and then looking at those emotions, is this a this too shall pass type of season? Or did I bring these emotions with me from other seasons. I think that being intentional with paying attention to where you are and knowing when this is just temporary and a part of that moment and that season, and it is par for the course, or is this something that I'm carrying with me? And if it is, how do I begin to learn how to better steward or manage this emotion? Because they aren't going to go away. They're a part of who we are. It's a part of our makeup. And again, when we categorize and think that we should only be happy, that there should not be no sadness or no fear or no overwhelm, then we're doing ourselves a disservice and we'll always be chasing something that's not intended for us. And I always share that fear is an emotion that was intended to help us survive. If we're walking down the street as a woman and you kind of know to look to the side or the back because something doesn't feel right, that fear should make you do one of three things. It's that fight, flight, or freeze. So you either ready to like, let me grab my pepper spray. Let me look for an exit and how I can run. Or you freeze and stop and be like, let me let them go by me, right? So it's so that you can pay attention. A dog is coming, you know to... That's where you freeze. Like you don't run with the dog and we hope that you don't try to fight it. So depending on what the fear is, you are supposed to do that. But somewhere along the way, we were taught that when we're fearful of certain things, we should 
always retreat and be paralyzed or we run away from things that we should be looking at. It's only when we are in danger or those things that we are to use fear as survival and not with our goals, our dreams and our lives. Yeah, from everything that you have shared with us today, it is clear that you have been doing your work on yourself and that you have truly moved from a painful to a powerful place. And so when I think about the women who are listening to us and they're saying, okay, I I want to get to that space. If you could name one thing that you've had to unlearn to become the woman you are today, what would that thing be? Well, how much time do we have? No, (laughs) because I wish that I could say there was one thing. So the, the, the few things that come to mind was I unlearned living in a survival mode. That was, I would say, paramount because of my upbringing, survival mode is you just do what you have to do to get to the next, right? There was no thinking through how to, how to thrive. When we talked about going from painful to purpose to powerful, you know, survival says, I just need to get out of this situation. But thriving says, whatever I learned from this situation and how will I never get here again? Or what are some new things that I need to introduce myself to? Because if I no longer have this, what's going to fill that space up now? So I really had to unlearn survival because I was making decisions from just surviving, right? And another one was the need to people please and put others before me. and. That's something that I wish that I could say that I learned at 20. You know, I am proudly standing right now at 42. And I would say that about 35 is when I learned, like, truly, you say that you don't put others first, but in the back of your mind, you're making decisions. And there's some people that you have in the back of your mind that you want to make sure that you please or you do that. And I had to unlearn that it's it is totally okay to choose only me that i can make decisions for me with no justification with none of that and i think that unlearning the stigma of you're emotional women are emotional or you don't talk about things and you just keep it bottled up that one was hard because in my household and in my family you just you just you don't apologize by saying, hey, I'm sorry I was wrong. It's what you want to eat. Um, <laughs> you know, you want to come to the store with me? You want to come to the store? I got Aaron to run. <laughs> right. <laughs> you want to watch this movie with me? So really unlearning how to manage and learn my emotions. And that's what kind of brought me on the quest of, I know that if I had to do all this work, how many people that that look like me that has similar upbringings are still struggling with those same things. So these were things that I really had to let go of. That's so powerful. And I really appreciate you sharing that, yeah, because I feel like when you share that and you're so open with it, it gives, like you said, it gives other women permission 
to do that too. Cause then it's like, Oh, well actually I, I was struggling with that same thing too. So now I'm going to work on that. We've done a couple episodes about addressing our toxicity and discussing when we've been the toxic one in the relationship and stuff like that, because we do have to look in the mirror and, you know, realize that we, we contributed to this. So y'all, you provided so many gems you have. I, I'm going to re-listen to this episode and take some notes. You've been so amazing, but right now we want to shift up the energy of this conversation. Okay. Okay. And because we recognize, appreciate and celebrate the multifaceted woman, and we believe that it's okay to be bougie, classy and ratchet. You can still be elegant and dance to strip club music if you so choose. So y'all, we want to invite you to the OU Blatchett segment. So do you take on the challenge? I welcome it with open arms. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, okay. So now that you've agreed, we're going to tell you what to expect. Okay, so we're going to ask you three questions. Then we're going to share three sentence completions. And then in closing, we're going to have you choose a number from one to three. We have three photos pulled up of you on screen and we're going to show you that respective photo and we want you to provide more context something that we wouldn't know about the photo just by looking at it all right you ready to go i'm ready all right lady first question is what's the best piece of advice or wisdom you've ever received best piece of advice or wisdom that i've ever received was to always make sure that you do things that bring you joy and not so much always chasing the bag. I'm gonna just let a moment of silence just chill right there because that's a word. It's not always about the money. Boom. You should, y'all have to see y'all right now. She's shaking her head like I done been there, done that. Mm-mm, it's not. <laughs> and it's not. <laughs> Okay, next question. It's not even, I'm not even going to say it's a question. I just have four words for you, okay? Yeah. Twerk or two-step? Twerk or two-step? And I, I'm twerking. <laughs> God gave me too much. And come on. Okay. Okay. Yes. Just you going to twerk. I love it. All right, y'all. Our next question is, what's the sexiest item you own? A pole. You better go ahead. We've never had poll. We've had a lot of different answers. We have never, y'all, you were the first person that's come through with a poll. I'm trying to be like you when I grow up, okay? Y'all heard her. Y'all heard it here first, okay? <laughs> and your facial expressions are so funny. I love it. I love it. So cute. Okay, so now we're going to move on to the sentence completions. And if you're wondering, lady, where Dr. Don went, the internet was not trying to let her be great. So her computer froze. So I'm just going to go ahead and we're going to finish the OU Blatchett segment, but it's all good. We're going to make it work. All right. One question or topic I wish people asked me about more often is either my music choices or things that I like to do outside of this. That's good. All right. The next sentence completion is things you like to do outside of this are (laughs) listen to music, reenact movies I can pull up a line from almost anything that's funny and I am very competitive so games taboo all kinds of stuff that's such a vibe that sounds so fun I love it the last sentence completion we have for you is what I love most about myself is that I am 
a risk taker that it does not matter what it is. I'm going to take the risk. And I always bet on me. I love it. Yes. That is something amazing to love about yourself. And it's so inspiring. And so now what we're going to do, y'all, is I have three photos pulled up. And I want you to choose a number. One to three. And I'm going to reveal the photo and you give us more context throughout the photo. They're fun photos too. So choose wisely. I'm going to go with two. I feel like everyone chooses two. I love it. Okay, so let's do it. Let's do it. Tell us about this photo. Now, y'all, everyone's not going to be watching this. So for the listeners, tell them what we're looking at and then give us more context behind this image. So this was my last speaking engagement of 2020 right before the pandemic. It was literally March the 6th of 2020 and the world shut down like the 12th. So I am on the stage for a women's conference and I am sharing how you can continue to cultivate a better relationship with yourself. That is a bomb photo, number one, but that's just so wild too. Right before the pandemic hit, it was just like, oh, 2020 is my year. I got my, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then it was like, pause. Dang, what a time, what a moment to capture too, capture on camera. Yeah, we just want to thank you so much for your time, your energy, your gems, the wisdom. I just love, love, love when we have inspiring women come on and just talk about their journeys authentically because it really does liberate other women to do the same. It makes us not so afraid to dig into our past or dig into the things that we may not, you know, find as pretty about ourselves, right? And just dive into them and become better and cultivate our best selves. So thank you so much for sharing. We appreciate you. And I'd love to know where can listeners support you? Where can they buy their books? Where can they follow you? Let them know. Thank you all so much for this opportunity. I absolutely love this space and I'm so glad that I was able to be here to share, to add value, to learn all of the great things. And you all can, I am Yahoo's on all social media platforms. You can go to cultivatewholeness.org to purchase the book, to learn more about me and the things that I have going on. So I look forward to just connecting. I talk back in the DMs. So I look forward to connecting and sharing this journey with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, lady. It's Terry here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. I'm hosting a free podcasting masterclass where I'm going to teach you how to create your impactful podcast and how you can generate multiple streams of income. You can visit podcastwithterry.com to register for free. I hope to see you there. Thanks for joining us today. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. 
If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, visit our website at cultivatingherspace.com and be sure to click the Patreon tab to get access to video content, bonuses, and our weekly after show. And before we meet again, repeat after me. What's meant for me will never miss me. I don't have to chase. T, okay. I'm not trying to interrupt the show, but I had this random idea I want to share with you and I don't want to forget it. Tell me, tell me, what is it? Okay. So, you know how at the start of every new year, birthday, new moon, anniversary, new month, new anything, people find themselves wanting to have a reset, but they're not sure where to start. Mm -hmm, I sure do. What are you thinking? What if we hosted a workshop where we could interact with our listeners to talk about stuff like self-care and self-love? OMG. And we could even have a session about manifestation, leaving toxic relationships and becoming our best selves. Girl, I am so excited. I'm sold. We could call it the Vibrate Higher Empowerment Workshop. Yes, yes, that is it. And, 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 we could even host a live quarterly wind down to check in and build community as we vibrate higher all year. Yo, I love it. I love it. I'm sold. Let's do it. Lady, if this sounds like fun to you, visit newyearworkshop.com and join us for the Vibrate Higher Empowerment Workshop. If you want to release baggage, set intentions, and manifest the life you desire, this is just for you, lady. That's newyearworkshop.com. We can't can't wait wait to to connect connect with you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.